Are we on? I hesitate to promise that it'll be a shorter sermon because every time I promise that it will be, it ends up being a longer sermon. So maybe if I promise a full-length sermon, we'll end up being able to squeeze it in in the time we have remaining. But I do want to just share a, a word that the Lord's put on my heart. I want to kind of set the scene a little bit. And we've talked already this morning just about how important it is for us to have perspective. And there is something about just getting outside our usual routine, our usual habits, nothing wrong with habits in and of themselves. But sometimes it's only once we step outside the normal and the usual that we gain useful perspective on some of the things that are important in life. And I mentioned some as I've recently travelled the last few weeks, not just cramped airlines and food and the challenges that come from a particular trip like the one that we've just been on. But there was this moment where we were travelling. We started off in Bali, headed over to Lombok, which is the next island over, been plane rides, bus rides, sitting there on a bus going through some of the more remote um, areas of that particular island as we headed up to the northwest to the destination that we were heading towards. And I was sitting next to one of my girls on the bus remembering that, you know, we live, all of us, not just me, but all of us live a very comfortable, middle-class, suburban, Australian existence on the whole. There's nothing wrong with that, it's just calling a spade a spade. And so she had lived within that comfortable environment, was sitting on the bus and I saw her eyes just growing wider and wider and wider and we headed out of Lombok Airport through some more remote rice growing areas. And I wouldn't say it's anywhere near the poverty of India or some other parts in Asia, but certainly coming from that environment, it was eye-opening. And she was, I could see she was getting affected by it. She was tearing up. And she's saying, Daddy, what is this? And I said, well, this is the rest of the world, you know, <laughs> like, welcome to reality, sweetheart. This is how people live. This is their houses. This is, that's their clothes. And, you know, these are the streets they play in. These are their friends. This is, this is the way they live their lives. And for her, it was this incredibly, I believe, special moment and a moment where she got what I'm hoping will be some very useful perspective. The problem is sometimes for all of us, you, you have a moment, you have an encounter, a trip overseas, something happens to sort of shake you up and wake you up. And then if you're anything like me, within 10 minutes, if you're lucky, it's just straight back to the old routine. But I want to talk about one of those moments of perspective for Jesus and his disciples. I want to set the scene. I want to give us one thought for this morning and hopefully we can pick up some of these themes as we continue next week. So John chapter 4, we okay? We're alive. We're doing well. We're loving Jesus. We're living for his glory. Three of us are fantastic. That's a quorum. Let's just go on. Let's get into it. So John 4, there's this incredible encounter. I think John 3 is one of the most incredible definitions of the gospel. We all know the passage. We all know the scripture I'm referring to. But John 4, I believe, is one of the most radical and important demonstrations 
of the gospel that you find not only anywhere in John's writing, but anywhere in the New Testament. So Jesus has this encounter with a woman of Samaria. The disciples are taken on this particular detour. We'll pick up some of the themes of that particular story as we go on. But what I want to focus on is John 4, verse 34. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says this. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say? This is a saying, it's a proverb. We don't know the full extent of where it came from, but obviously a saying that was familiar to Jesus and his disciples. He says, you know well, some translations say, you know this this saying, this proverb, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. But Jesus says, look, I tell you. One particular translation, the New Living Translation says, but I say, wake up, wake up and look around. I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white. Some translations say the fields are ripe for harvest. It is harvest time. Okay, we could try that again, but we'll move on. It is harvest time. You say there's yet four months and then comes the harvest. But Jesus says to his disciples, but I say to you, wake up, look around, lift up your eyes because it's harvest time now. It's happening whether you're ready or not. It's happening whether you can see it or not. The only question is, will you have eyes to see the harvest that is happening all around you. And indeed, if you read the rest of this story, let's just complete the picture and then come back and dwell upon these words of Jesus. If you read on, indeed, there was a great harvest. It said already in verse 30 after this encounter with the woman that they, being the people from the whole region, are coming out to see Jesus. And verse 39, it says, Many Samaritans from the town believed in him. They say, Jesus, stay. And he stays for two more days in verse 41. And many more believe because of his word. They said, it's no longer, said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said. For now we've heard, and I love this proclamation, the end of verse 42, and we know. We've heard, and now we know that this indeed is the Saviour of the world. You know, you'd be hard-pressed to find any other instance, and I give you this challenge this week, any other instance where there is a greater harvest of souls, of people coming en masse to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in his ministry, or indeed in any other time through the Gospels. There was crowds. I mean, Jesus was doing miracles. There's people who'd come and watch and they'd see and they'd, they'd come after Jesus for what they could get. But an entire region all coming out and en masse professing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is unique. This is special. This is, as I said before, why this particular story to me is such a, a powerful proclamation and demonstration of the gospel. And yet two things as I read this account always 
stick out to me, resonate in my heart. Number one, it's a harvest and yet it happens where? What's the location? We're going to discover Samaria. Thank you. That's the obvious answer. Yes. Yes, it does. It happens in the most unlikely place at the most unlikely time through the most unlikely people you could ever possibly imagine would be involved in this type of occurrence. It's the most unlikely place. And the second reason I love this story is that it's all happening and yet in the midst, as we'll soon discover, these words that Jesus gives to his disciples are to wake them up. It's happening and they have absolutely no idea that anything is going on. They've got other priorities. They've got other interests. They're trying to find some food to eat. You know, they're busy doing so many things. They've got no idea what they thought was a place to be endured, a moment to be avoided, a people to have nothing to do with. In that very place, Jesus was out working a great harvest. And so in the midst of that, he gives his disciples a wake-up call. A perspective shift. He says, wake up, lift up your eyes. Take a look around. You keep saying, well, it'll happen in four months. You keep focusing on so many other things. And yet, I say to you, the harvest is here and the harvest is now. And I believe that this particular instruction of Jesus is just as relevant to us. And I want to ask us this question. How is it that we can have eyes to see the harvest that is all around us? Not just coming. I pray for that too. That's, that's not bad. But the harvest that is here and the harvest that is now. And maybe a, a sub-question is, how is it that we, like the disciples, can be so unaware? God's on the move. There's things happening everywhere, and yet we have no clue at all what it is that God is doing. How is it that we can have eyes to see? And here is the very first thing. It's a one-point sermon. This is the encouragement for us today, if you want to write it down, if you don't, that's fine, remember it. It's simply this, don't discount your season. Don't discount your circumstances. See, just think this through with me for a moment. What is the first thing that comes to mind with this picture of harvest? I was to say to you, what, what does a harvest look like for you? What, what does that look like for you personally? What does it look like in our church? What does it look like in our city? What, what does harvest look like? And I'm sure all of us could give some probably very useful pictures, but the reality is, as we think that through, there's always a certain time and there's always a certain place, yeah? yeah. This is what it looks like. It's, it's this. It's this sort of a time and it is this sort of a place. We all have our time. We all have our particular place. And that's no different than 
the circumstances that the disciples would have found themselves with Jesus. You see, they were on a mission. They'd been following Jesus for a little while now. And he said to them, we're off to Galilee. So off they go, they head, and you can just imagine the scene as they're getting ready to go. And Jesus says to them, you can read this in verse 4 earlier in the chapter, he says, "Ah, but actually, we need to take a detour through Samaria. Now, for us to understand that particular context and how perhaps offensive or shocking that would have been to the disciples, you need to realize that no self-respecting Jew would ever enter into Samaria. In fact, the Jewish people of that particular era and time, they went out of their way to avoid even entering into across the particular border. There's a whole lot of history there that's beyond our time for this morning. And not only have the disciples found themselves in Samaria, but John says they found themselves in a little town called Sychar. And he gives some descriptions. He said it's kind of near the, you know, the well that was used. And he describes it a little bit. I think he's giving them a description because if he didn't, the readers who would later read John's account would have no idea where this place was. No idea at all. We, we have no idea what this town is. It doesn't feature upon any particular map. There's no tourist brochure promoting the attractions of this particular town. It was a town that nobody had ever heard of and nobody in their right mind would ever want to visit. Ever found yourself in one of those sort of places? Maybe one of those sort of seasons in your life. You're like, God, who in their right mind would ever even consider coming to a place like this? How did I get here? What am I doing here? You see, you discover very quickly when you're following Jesus that often he'll take you places that you wouldn't ordinarily go. You wouldn't ordinarily pack up your family and travel halfway across the world. You wouldn't ordinarily visit some of the places that you will if you're truly following the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet how often do we find ourselves, as perhaps the disciples were in those particular moments, thinking, God, why am I here? Why am I wasting time in this kind of a place? Like, aren't, aren't we on a mission? Aren't we supposed to be saving the world or something? You know, aren't we supposed to be... You said that we'd see great things if we followed you. You said, come follow me and you'll see greater things than this. I'll make you fishers of men. Now we're fishing in a cesspool. Like what, what is going on? Ever felt like that? Ever had one of those seasons? You see, I love this story because there is no more unlikely place for there to be great harvest. And yet as I read this story, here is the encouragement that if there's a harvest in that season and their place, then this is the truth for us. It doesn't matter what the season is. It doesn't matter what things look like in the natural. It doesn't matter if you're feeling off the beaten track or if you're like the woman in the world who we'll talk about a little more next week. She'd been through all sorts of brokenness in her life. And yet Jesus looks at her 
There's nobody in a no-show town. He says, that's the place of harvest. That's the place where my glory can be revealed. That's the place where I am outworking my purpose and my plan. Here are the disciples thinking, well, you know, I guess we've got to make the, the best of a bad situation. Let's at least try and find somewhere to eat, which is what they've done. We're told they've gone to find food. Let's just get through. Let's just do what we can to move on. And all that time, they're missing the greatest harvest that they perhaps will ever witness in their lives. So it's in that place that Jesus says to them, he says, do you catch this? Do you get this? You see, you, you keep saying, you keep saying in, in four months, then it'll be the harvest. But I tell you, it's time to wake up and it's time to look around because the harvest is here. Here's one for me from this year. You know, you, you say, Lord speaking to me, you, you say to me, Lord, when we're in the new building, you know, when, when we finally, you know, make that transition, when it's all new and it's a new sound, I mean, that's when the harvest comes, right? Yeah. The Lord says, no, no, no. Now is the time of harvest. Maybe for some of us, you're thinking, well, no, no, it, it's, it's when I get through these circumstances. I mean, look, look at what I'm facing. Have you seen some of the people that are in my life at the moment? Have you seen some of the problems that I'm facing, the difficulties at work? Have you seen my bank balance? I mean, there's nothing here. This is a barren wasteland. And yet the Lord looks at that and he says, no, that's, that's the place of my harvest. You see, we, we've got to get this Reality that he doesn't work the way that we think he's going to work. He is the God who does his greatest works, often in our times of greatest brokenness. If we will just not discount our circumstances and our situation. What is it for you? Is it, well, it's, it's, it's when I finish school. It's when I get through university. It's when I have children. It's when the children leave home. It's when I'm retired. It's when I have a certain level of financial security. And Jesus is saying to each of us, no, no, it's, it's now. Would you wake up and would you see the harvest? That is all around us. Let me just finish. I told you it was a short sermon, just with this one story, and then we'll close. And as I said, we'll, we'll pick up this theme. You see, there, there is a God. Take this as, as your encouragement. There, there is a God who has for each of us, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your season, there is a God whose delight is for us to join in the harvest that is his. We'll develop that point more. But just take that as an encouragement. You were not put on this planet just to struggle and to strive and to somehow make your way across the finish line, defeated, discouraged, burnt out and, and beaten up. Yes, there'll be seasons. Yes, there'll be difficult, but difficulties. But there is a harvest 
for you and I. We're put on this planet. Jesus said, by this you will glorify your heavenly Father, by bearing fruit for Him. And so my, my stirring, my perspective shift, my encouragement is, God, would you help us see the harvest? And one of the greatest challenges I find for me, and I'm sure for many of us here, is not being so focused on always getting to the next season. Well, it's, it's when this happens. It's in four months' time. It's, it's, it's after this moment. It's just, just getting through this circumstance, out of this difficulty, to this place, when I get to Africa, when, when fill in the blank. And yet, there's Jesus in His tender mercy. He's just saying, just take a moment and look up. Because if you will, there's a harvest for you and me in the midst of any season. If there's a harvest here in this place with these people, then I guarantee you that there's a harvest for God for you to find in the midst of your circumstance. Just a, a really simple, in some ways silly illustration this particular week. And I was... Uh, of all things, I was gearing up for getting back into work. I thought, I need to get a haircut. You know that thought? So I, uh, I don't have a particular hairdresser. In fact, often my visits to the barbershop are as quick and as painless as humanly possible. Unlike, you know, my wife where she likes to make a day of it, pack an overnight bag, get the whole works done. The... She does, she loves it. I'm just, you know, it's a successful mission if I'm in and out and I, you know, break the record time. And so it's a sad admission, but I often try and find the barbershop that looks like I can get in and out as quickly as possible. There's not many queues. They don't look like they're going to harass me and talk to me. I can just sit in the chair. I can get the deed done. I can move on with my life. So I was walking around. I went to one barbershop that sometimes I go to. There was at least two people in the queue, so I thought I won't go there. I went down to the next barbershop. I thought this looks okay. I snuck in there. And I try and not engage in conversation in those moments. Not because, you know, I'm avoiding people, but just because I'm there on mission, right? To get a hair done. I'm there to get in and out. So... I've also found that if you engage in discussions, inevitably it goes to what do you do for a living? I say I'm a pastor and now that just opens up a can that you don't want to open up when you're strapped to a chair and a man's got scissors in his hands and there's razors, there's weapons around. It's just better safe than sorry. But I was sitting there in this chair, I was getting my hair done and you know, you just feel that prompting of the Holy Spirit. I'm there just trying to get through just the next thing. And the Lord's just prompting me and saying, why don't you just, just ask him how he's going? Just start up a conversation. So somewhat reluctantly, I did. I said, how are you going? You know, been doing this for a while, all the usual questions. Anyway, it turned out this guy was from originally from Colombia. I said, where are you from? I can tell you got a bit of an accent. And he'd moved out to Australia 15 years ago. He'd... Married an Australian girl, two boys. Tragically, his marriage had all broken up a couple of years ago. And he said, what do you do for a living? You know that question? 
I said, I'm a pastor. And, and he just, I could, I could see his, his eyes lit up. I was expecting the usual reaction, which is who knows what, as I said, with a man with scissors in his hand. And, but he's like, oh, you know, you, you, this is amazing. And he began to pour out his, his journey. He said he had actually been a youth worker in a church in Colombia for 12 months. And due to some very significant difficulties, he walked away from the Lord. And he said, for 15 years, I've been wandering lost and wondering how do I reconnect with God? And so this is, you know, sometimes there's, there's, there's some pastoral exaggeration, just a little bit at times, but no exaggeration here. I mean, I'm normally in and out in 10 minutes. Is 15 minutes is a long haircut. But this was 50 minutes later. My hair's getting shorter and shorter. And I'm thinking, I've got to pull this conversation up somewhere. I'm going to have nothing left, you know. It's, it's getting a little thin on top as it is. But we, we finished the conversation. He, he walked me out to the door and, you know, he said, can I just shake your hand? He said, thank you so much. I've not talked to anyone like that in as long as I can remember. And you know, I gave him my card. I said, this is the church we're from. You're welcome anytime. And we may see him. We may not. But the, the point is simply this. For me, and you know, this is being honest before the Lord, how often is it that I miss the harvest? The moments, the people, purely because I'm discounting the season I'm in. I mean, I'm, I'm in a barber shop. I'm not talking to people. I'm in difficulty. So I, I, I'm just... God can't do anything here. And there's that challenge and that wake-up call from the God who He came on mission to seek and save the lost. Would we be a people who would wake up, who would lift up our eyes and recognize that there is a harvest for us if we'll just have the eyes to see. Can we stand? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for just the privilege it is to know you. That you would call us by name. That you would predestine us and purpose us for the foundation of the world to be your sons and your daughters. And Father, I just pray this morning that you would help us, that where we need it, you would give us a perspective shift. Thank you that we don't need to travel to remote parts of Indonesia or to pack up and head over to Africa praise God for the places that you call us but thank you that you can shift our perspective right where we're at help us to be a people who see the harvest it's not just coming it's not just on the other end of this circumstance it's not just when we get through this season but the harvest is here and I pray even this week Lord as we leave this place that there would be such an awareness of those around us. You are the seeking King, the King who sought us out, the King who invites us 
into the fullness of your glorious purpose and plan. And I ask for eyes to see what it is that you're doing. May this be the day of harvest. The fields are ripe and we are your willing harvesters. Send us out, I ask in Jesus' name. Just as we uh, close with a song of worship, I just want to invite you, if you need prayer this morning, it may be just for the season that you're in. I'd love to stand with you and pray. If you're in a season and you're just struggling to see anything, that's, that's obviously what the Lord, I believe, is, has put on my heart. It's on His heart for us that we'd have eyes to see in the midst of the season and the circumstance, the harvest that He has for you now. Not just in the future, but now. But if there's other prayer needs, we have a prayer team. We'd love to, to stand with you. It's our honor and our privilege about any and every prayer need that you have. So thank you. Let's worship together. Come forward now if you need prayer, and we'll pray for you in that way.